Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. And the Amalekites and the Midianites, they oppressed you. And you cried out to me, God says. And he says, I delivered you from their hand. I delivered you from their hand. Yet you have forsaken me and you've served other gods. Therefore, I will deliver you no more. And boy, that is the thing that I never want to hear from God. Hi, everyone, and welcome to our Bible study on Truth in Christ Radio. In our study today, we hear the nation of Israel crying out to God for help again. The words of this cry seem fine, but God's response seems to indicate that he saw something lacking in Israel's repentance. One may cry out to the Lord, yet really just wish things were different. Crying out to God with the voice is not necessarily the same as crying out to Him with your heart. When we cry out to the Lord, He wants us to come to the place where we know that there is nothing worth following except Him. The heart of the matter is a matter of the heart. Now let's join Pastor Rob with today's lesson. They get frustrated because they don't understand the nature of God. You know, people mistake His patience and His forbearance as license to continue in sin. And that somehow he is, he's condoning it because he, you haven't gotten caught or the person hasn't gotten caught. And on the other side of the fence, when he, when he doesn't judge quickly something that we think should be judged, we get impatient and vengeful and we want to take matters into our own hands. And again, it's the goodness of God we have to remember that leads us to repentance. Notice in verse 7 what it says. It says, So the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. Now, one of the things, this word hot literally means to burn. It's, it's a furious type of glowing anger. <laughs> and, and that's really what it means. And in the book of he, uh, Judges, I almost said Hebrews for some reason. But in the book of Judges, the Lord uses this same phrase four different times. Uh, the first time we heard it, if you're a note taker, write these down because this will encourage you. Um, the first time was in Judges 2 verse 14. The next time was in Judges 2, verse 20. The next time is in 3, verse 8. And then right here in chapter 10, verse 7. But God's, His anger against was against Israel. It was hot. And notice, and He sold them into the hands of the Philistines and into the hands of the people of Ammon. The idea of sold there is literally to sell them like merchandise. You know, I never want to get to the point, and I've given the Lord plenty of opportunity to be angry with me, 
But I, I, I never, you know, the more you know him, isn't it true that you, that you don't really want to anger him? I don't want to anger him. I don't want to put him, I, I don't want to do something and put myself in a position where I'm making him angry. I want to be that person that puts a smile on his face. You know, I'm going to make my mistakes. I'm going to sin occasionally. I'm going to do these things in my heart. But the, the, the overall tenure of my life, and hopefully yours too, is to please the Lord, to please Him because of what He's done. And, you know, I don't want to be sold into the hand of anything. But notice, He was so angry with them because of their idolatry that He sold them into the hands of the Philistines and into the people of Ammon. Now remember, we, we have talked about the Philistines in the past, but just as a way of review quickly here, uh, the Philistines, remember, were a non-Semitic people. When I say non-Semitic, what that means is a, 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 a Semite or someone who is Shem, uh, Semitic is somebody who comes from the line of Shem. Okay, somebody who is non-Semitic or, or uh, is somebody who did not come from the line of Shem. In fact, these people, the Philistines, they were actually, they came from Crete, the island of Crete. And there was a time when they came down from Crete across the Mediterranean into the very uh, shores of Africa and Pharaoh drove them out and the Philistines, as a seafaring people, they just went right up the coast and settled in modern day Israel. And But they are from the line of Ham. In fact, in Genesis chapter 10, you can go there yourself, but go there and look at Genesis chapter 10. Uh, specifically verse 6 and then verses 13 and 14 because it tells us that they were from the sons of Ham and one of uh, Ham's sons was named Mizraim and Mizraim begat Ludim, Anamim, Lahabim, Nephtuhim, Pathrusim, and Kasluhim from whom came the Philistines and Kaphtorim. And so uh, you can see that the Philistines came from the line of Hem. So they were a non-Semitic people. <laughs> they were a non-Semitic people. And then the other group here that the Lord was going to sell Israel into the hands of was the people of Ammon. Remember when the Lord came uh, to Abraham and was going to bring judgment upon Sodom and Gomorrah. And remember Lot, his nephew, was currently living in Sodom and Gomorrah. And the Lord, remember, by uh, the ministry of two angels, brought him and his family, or was trying to get his family out, and only three of them escaped. The rest of them didn't care, and one of, his, one of them, his wife, turned back and, and, and perished. But uh, before he uh, brought destruction upon Sodom and Gomorrah, he brought Lot and his two daughters out of that. And you recall what happened in Genesis chapter 19, beginning in verse 30 through 36, that um, actually 30 through 38, actually. But um, the girls, uh, after they had escaped the, the judgment, they went up into a mountain, uh, the two girls and their father, a lot, and they got their father drunk and through incestuous relationships with their father who was drunk, uh, those two girls were pregnant with uh, boys. And one of them, you remember, was Ben-Ami or the sons of Ammon, or Ammon, and the other one was um, Moab. And so that those were the, 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 the children of those two sisters. And the people of Ammon, we're going to see a lot of them in the chapter that we're looking at tonight. The people of Am Ammon, they inhabited the land east of the Jordan River, 
So it was the land that the Israelites first came to and the land that they first conquered before they crossed over westward across the Jordan River into what we call and what they call the promised land. But the the Ammonites, they were content at dwelling on the other side. And although they were a Semitic people, they were not friendly to the children of Israel. And we're going to see tonight that they weren't friendly at all. So going on in verse 8, it says, From that year they harassed the, the Ammonites, they oppressed the children of Israel for 18 years, and all the children of Israel who were on the other side of the Jordan in the land of the Amorites in Gilead. So now... Just picture in your map, uh, or in your mind, a map, and on the east side, or the right side of the map, is on the right side of the Jordan there, is where they lived and where they dwelt. And so, in Gilead is a mountain range. If you were to uh, be standing in the Jordan River looking east, the first thing you'll, you're going to see is a mountain range. And it goes all the way down from the Dead Sea all the way up to the Sea of Galilee or the or Lake Gennesaret, that whole mountain range right in front of you is called Gilead. And just over the mountain and some land in there, that whole area is Gilead. Um, it's a strip of land uh, going up. And so that is uh, where this area was. So moreover, the people of Ammon, verse 9, they crossed over the Jordan. Now, so the the, the people of Ammon, now they're going to go westward to fight against who? Judah, and against Benjamin, and against Ephraim. And those would be the first three tribes that would be that would, they, would, they would encounter as they crossed the Jordan at that time. And so they would go there, and, um, and, and so the, the, the Israel was severely distressed, it says there in verse 9. And then we're going to see in verse 10 here the common refrain, uh, for the children of Israel, and that is this. And the children of Israel, what they do? They cried out to the Lord and they said, We have sinned against you, God, because we have both forsaken our God and we have served the Baals. We've served the Baals. We've forsaken you. And notice the Lord's response. In fact, verses 11 through 14, you're going to see this wonderful response of God, and it ought to sound familiar to us. It's, it's not um, easy uh, because what he's going to say to them is a rebuke, but it's an awesome uh, command of God, an awesome word of God. So he says, So the Lord said to the children of Israel, Did I not deliver you from the Egyptians and from the Amorites and from the people of Ammon and from the Philistines? Also the Sidonians and the Amalekites and the, Mayan- and the Mayanites, which um, many uh, in the Septuagint um, version of the Bible which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament, uh, this, instead of Mayanites, it says Midianites. And that would make sense, certainly, based on what we saw with Gideon, because what the Lord is doing here in verses 11 and 12 is He's really chronicling the deliverances that God had given to the children of Israel up to this moment. And so He's listing the, the different peoples that God had delivered them from. And so He said in verse 12, And also the Sidonians and the Amalekites and the Midianites, they oppressed you, and you cried out to Me, God says. And He says, I delivered you from their hands. I delivered you from their hand, yet you have forsaken me and you've served other gods. Therefore, I will deliver you no more. And boy, that is the thing that I never want to hear from God. I never want to hear the clock is tick, you know, your time is up. You know, nobody wants to hear that. Nobody wants to hear of a final 
in a sense, a judgment like that. Nobody wants to hear that. But notice what God, he's very serious about what he says. He says, I will deliver you no more. And in fact, he goes on in verse 14, he says, Go and cry to the gods which you have chosen. Let them deliver you in, their, in your time of distress. In fact, Warren Wearsby had this to say, and I thought this was really wonderful. He said, The greatest judgment God can send to his people is to let them have their own way and not interfere. And, and that's often what God will do when we have, uh, with an obstinate heart and a heart that's just bent on our rebellion and bent on doing things our own way, you know, sometimes God just says, He just backs away. And He just lets us have what we want. And sometimes that is the worst judgment for us because it's not even the best thing. It's going to turn to gravel in our mouth. It's not going to be what we thought it would be. The devil likes to give us those little carrots and he keeps the carrot right in front of us and the, and the gold and the silver and the things that look flashy, the things that have this uh, promise of fulfillment and, and desire met. Uh, all those things are right before us, and then we reach for them, and they, 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 they're like cotton candy. They just they, they dissolve in our mouths, and we find ourselves more weakened. We find ourselves even more discouraged, more distraught, more distraught. In Second Peter chapter 2, verse 19, Peter, speaking of the consequences of listening to false teachers, etc., he said this, he said, For by whom a person is overcome, by him also he is brought into bondage. And that is exactly what God has just let them do. He's, gonna, he's, just, he's not going to deliver them uh, anymore. That's what he says. Now, there's an interesting twist to this. Because, well, before we go on to that, I want you to notice the similar wording uh, you know, in this section of Scripture uh, here in verse 10 down through verse 14 that we that we just read because in it we see a similar thing that God did in the past. Uh, and what do I mean by that? Um, if you remember back in Judges 2, verses 1 through 4, remember what it said uh, right as they were uh, coming into the land and, um, you know, after Joshua had died? It says, Then the angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bochim and said, I led you from Egypt. And this ought to sound familiar with the passage we just read. Because notice, it's an angel of the Lord. This is a a pre-incarnate visitation of Jesus Christ. The angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bochim and said, I led you from Egypt and brought you to the land of which I swore to your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you. And you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of this land. You shall tear down their altars, but you have not obeyed my voice. Why have you done this? <laughs> Therefore, I also said, I will not drive them out from before you, but they shall be thorns in your side, and their God shall be a snare to you. And so it was when the angel of the Lord spoke these words to all the children of Israel that the people lifted up their voices and wept. And there is the familiar refrain. God brings a harsh word and it breaks their heart for a moment, and they turn. And we are no different, folks. We are no different. Hopefully, as Christians, we're very different. But you know, even before we were saved, that, that was much of my life. A lot of crocodile tears I had before I came to Christ. And also in Judges chapter 6, verse 7, there was a prophet of the Lord that was sent to the children of Israel just before he raised up Gideon, remember? And it says in verse 7 that it came to pass when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord because of the Midianites. 
right? They cried out to him, and the Lord sent a prophet to them and said something similar. And he says, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of bondage. I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians, out of the hand of all those who oppressed you. And I drove them out from before you and gave you their land. And I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. Similar refrain. Same thing that we just read. And so it's an awful thing when, when God has to remind. And, and you know, he's so patient. He, he doesn't give up on people. And I'm so thankful for that. So verse 15, it says, And the children of Israel said to the Lord, We have sinned. And this is a good sign. They, they finally agree to it. And they, they say, Do to us whatever seems best to you. Only deliver us this day, we pray. And you know, I really believe that they were really sincere because I know that there have been times where I was sincere, but I was sincerely deceived by my own self because I would be sorry because I got caught. I'd be sorry because I'm going through maybe uh, the consequences of my sin, and I'm sorry because of that. But I'm not really sorry that my heart was so evil that I did the thing that I did. And see, that is the key to it all. And that's the difference between godly sorrow and worldly sorrow. And we're going to see that this was a worldly sorrow but because they didn't truly repent of their sin. But notice the reaction to God. This is what I find so incredible, is that they had 31 years of, of repentance. In, in other words, the next place that we see in Scripture where the children of Israel, where it says that they did evil in the sight of the Lord, is in Judges 13, which we have yet to get to. And it was at the beginning of Samson's career. But it was at least 31 years later from this, from this moment that they did evil again after their short repentance. Now, 31 years is a long time. It's a long time in a person's life, but not so long in a nation, right? When we talk about a nation of people, uh, that's a whole different matter. Uh, 31 years is not a big deal. But um, we can see... Um, we can see that based on Judges 12, verse 7, because Jephthah, he served for six years. The, the judge after him, Ib- Ibzan, seven years. Elon, the man after him, another ten years. Abdon, another eight years. You add up the years, and it's 31 years. So from what we're reading here uh, in verses 10 through 14, you know, they, they really turned. And they were good in a sense. They were repentant for a season of 31 years. But then when we get to Judges 13, verse 1, we're going to see the same thing happening all over again. But I notice what the Lord does. It says in verse 16, So they put away the foreign gods from among them, and they served Jehovah. They served the Lord. So they did. They, they did turn from their sin. And, and it says, But his soul could no longer endure the misery of Israel. You know, while God is certainly serious about sin, He's also serious about fanning the flame of repentance. Remember what He said just a few verses ago when He said, I will deliver you no more. But sometimes we need to hear a very hard, stern word to kind of shake us, to kind of jostle us out of our complacency, out of our sin. And that's exactly what God did. He shook their tree really hard and they did. They, they turned and they, they put away the foreign gods and they began serving him again. And I love this where it says that, you know, God, he, his soul could no longer endure the misery of them. He loved them so much. And even though in his heart, he knew that it would be another 31 years and they would get right back into it again. 
they would get right back into it again. But his heart, even at that moment, because he, he saw their sincerity, even though he saw that they weren't going to be faithful completely, he saw that their resolve was, it was sincere. And God, res- he, he responds to that, even though he knows the end from the beginning. And I love that about him. Because if I were God and I had that knowledge, and I knew that 31 years later, in chapter 13, verse 1, that they would do evil in the sight of the Lord again, you know, as they're doing this now, I'd say, you know, you guys, you, you, you talk a big game, but you really don't follow through. So guess what? I'm not going to listen anymore. I'm, I'm literally going to say, I'm literally going to do what I said I was going to do. I'm not going to deliver you no more. But is that what he did? No. He did deliver them because his soul broke for them. And notice their immediate repentance, even though it was short, even though nationally it would be short-lived. I love what it says in Lamentations. Remember Lamentations written by Jeremiah after the destruction of Israel, or after the destruction of Jerusalem. What does it say in Lamentations 3 verse 22? Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed because His compassions fail not. God is ever compassionate. And that's a trait that for every believer ought to be evident in our lives. Compassion. Are you compassionate toward the plight of other people? When you see somebody homeless, do you, does your heart ache for them? Do you want to help them within reason? We know that in our time we live in, it's very difficult to sometimes help somebody in, in, in a deep need like that. You know, and, and sometimes we, there's something we can do, but we got to be careful how we do it. And so, but do, does your heart burn for that? Do you have compassion? It's a good trait to have. And I love what it says in Isaiah chapter 42, verse 3, too. It says, A bruised reed he will not break, speaking of the Lord, and smoking flax he will not quench. Uh, he will bring forth justice for truth. And when he sees that you're a, you're a bruised reed, he's not going to break it. He's not going to continue just to tear it off. And when he sees a smoking flax, he's not just going to blow it out and extinguish the flame. It's quite the opposite. Doesn't it remind you of John 15 when the Lord holds up? You know, when he holds up that vine that's in the sun, he holds it up. And then, you know, instead of uh, extinguishing the flame, extinguishing the smoke that's there, that little bit of flame that's there, he fans it, he breathes on it. When you breathe on a fire, you're actually introducing oxygen, with, which is what the fire needs, and that's what God does. That's why we take a bellows and we, we, we do that. You know, we, we uh, flex the bellows to uh, put, insert oxygen into the fire to make it hotter. And that's exactly what God does. So, verse 17, Then the people of Ammon gathered together, and they encamped in Gilead. So these are the folks on the eastern shore of the Jordan. And the children of Israel, they assembled together, and they encamped in Mizpah. And there are many places in Israel where there is Mizpah. There is a Mizpah. And we believe this one's probably on the eastern side of the Jordan as well. But notice verse 18. says, The people, the leaders of, the Gil- of Gilead, said to one another, Who is the man who will begin to fight against the people of Ammon. He shall be head over all the inhabitants of Gilead. Now, at this time in Israel's history, there was very little uh, spiritual leadership. There was very little leadership, period. And so they were just hunting for some man who was faithful, hunting for anyone who was faithful. (laughs) And they couldn't, it was very hard to find a faithful man, even in our day and age today, 
It's like a politician. You know, a faithful politician is hard to find. A real leader is hard to find. It's very difficult. So now we get into chapter 11. It says, Now Jephthah, the Gileadite, so he is a member of, he, he's over in that land of Gilead, over on the, that strip of land going from north to south, going on the, on the eastern side of the Jordan River. It says that he was a mighty man of valor. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Judges. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.